I had to learn to walk away from love that hurts. I had to learn to say no if it didn't bless me. I had to learn that one friend is enough. My most loyal friend should be me. It was important for me to understand that my experience is my pace and that I can't rush my blessings. That everything I feel right now is just for right now. And I want to live for the breakthroughs. I am the most important person in my life. Hi, I'm Nudwin. I'm your friendly neighborhood widow. So before we get started, turn up your volume for the reading of the warning label. Warning! Subscribing to this podcast can expose you to segments and conversations about love, loss, physical and emotional abuse, mental health, and resilience. This podcast contains raw and unfiltered thoughts and feelings from a domestic violence surviving widow. The side effects may be unexpected anger, inspiration, self-esteem boost, and laughter so strong you may pee your pants. An open mind and a change of undergarments are suggested, but not required. And if you need to, please consult a therapist before listening. Thanks for joining. Tragedy has a very interesting way of threatening or changing our core values. I mean, it could be the shame of being outed, so you don't want to ask for help. It could be other people's opinion, so you don't want to ask for help. Or this fake newfound confidence that um, you you want you want to do it all on your own, and you have something to prove. And at least that was my experience. Pride, prejudice, all this begets poor planning. And I don't mean just the denial about what was possible to happen in my life or in my marriage or um, leaving and escaping before things got horrible and the planning around that. Um, I'm thinking building an escape plan without a follow-up plan. Um, even before widowhood slapped me in the face, I had no idea what my follow-up plan for my escape plan was going to be. I really didn't know. And all of a sudden, I am next of kin. And not only do I have to heal from double trauma, I'm trying to figure out being a survivor of domestic violence and leaving you know, that part of my life, that part of my brain that allows things like this. And now having to understand being a widow at the age of 24 when it's not common around your friends. There's just so many conversations you don't know where to have or how to have. And now you've got bills on bills on bills because you're also financially responsible for the life of the person who just left. And in all of this, you can't help that feeling of having something to prove. And to who, right? And um, it all made sense when, you know, I'm shutting out the family member um, who had no idea I was on the other side of the wall when they made the statement of, so we can't be at her wedding, but now she wants us to help us, you know, fix this and clean this up and, and help her through this tragedy. Why does it have to be our tragedy when we can celebrate? And I get it. And I can and I can hear where a statement like that 
that can come from. And my first reaction was, first of all, I didn't ask you. And but then my afterthought was, you know what? I'll never ask for anyone's help ever again. I am at that time filled with just so much uncertainty and bitterness and just anger and loss and disappointment and all around I can't help but feel all of the wrong feelings and uh, just so happening to eavesdrop on this conversation is what I still don't know till this day <laughs> if it was a blessing or just the the worst of all triggers um but it made me feel like there just was so much more I had to prove. I wanted to prove and to everyone that I could do it on my own without without assistance, whether family assistant, government assistant, what may be, come what may, I was going to do it on my own. And I was filled with pride. <laughs> I mean, for somebody who just spent the last three years of her life in an abusive relationship, I was prideful with a capital P-R-I-D-E. And I've come to find out that self-sufficiency truly is a myth. Now, devotion, drive, resilience, patience, self-respect, and rest. Those are way, way, way more useful tools than self-sufficiency, which is something that I sought after blindly and, and, and I don't want to say innocently, but I, I should say naively sought after this self-sufficiency over and over again with this, with this just bitter ball, just right, right there stuck in my throat, just anger, anger, and the taste of bile in my mouth all the time, just wanting to be self-sufficient and proving and proving and proving. I needed to show them. I don't know who them are. I just had to show them. Frankly, I was battling enough and my focus was just too often shifted. It was always shifted towards having to prove something to someone else instead of myself. You know, you catch wind of rumors. You catch wind of what someone says and someone may have said about your situation and and you can't help it but to be triggered by it. It's the grief monster. That little sucker, man, I'm telling you, it's it's just this tricky, tricky little thing. And it caused me to back myself in a corner right back into another abusive situation. Poor planning, all based on boils and boils of emotions that are that I never sat down to identify and look at and 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 understand and see where it stems from, and all this crazy stuff, you know? The interesting about all of us as a people is that we all have an opinion. We all have expectations for how people should live their lives. We are better daughters, better sons, better wives, better husbands. We're better parents. We're better students. We're better presidents. We're better people. We're just better neighbors. We care more Others care less. Others don't care enough. We are better Christians. We're better at our faith. We're better spiritually. We're just better spiritual people. We know better. We have better. We think better. We can achieve better. 
and better than someone else. And we're doing this from the comfort of our own experience. And, and I think about this often. And I've made this statement before, and I since regretted making that statement. Um, I was talking about someone who was grief stricken, and it was in loss of, of 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 someone you know dying, but it was it was a huge loss in their lives, on in comparison to everything they've ever lived in their life. It was a huge loss. It was a huge thing, and it easily affected them on an emotional level, the same way that, you know, February 14th has affected me dying, my spouse dying, my spouse committing suicide to me was the hardest of all hardships. And I've had a, I'm telling you, it says explicit, by the way, um, when you look (laughs) at the description, so I'm going to go ahead and speak like this is an explicit, um, episode, but I've had my fair share of shitty situations, which if I want to, I won't, but if I want to, I could chalk up to a shitty life up to that point. But it still did not give me the right to look at this person expressing themselves and expressing their experience. My first thought was, that's not a big deal. And then I had to have an afterthought and I had to think to myself, while it's a huge problem and it's something that strikes a lot of people, people are in abusive relationships, people grow up in abusive homes, people are sexually assaulted as adults or as children, while losing a spouse is a huge traumatizing thing, there are plenty other things in other people's lives that are traumatizing and I cannot take that value away just because I think and I decided that my story is worse. I have learned since to look at these situations and say, okay, I'm going to talk to you like you're feeling like I was feeling when the worst thing that's ever happened to me has happened to me. This idea of as people, we just think we're better um, or we know better. I take it back to the story of me leaving my abusive marriage, becoming a widow, trying to manage grief and continuously giving into the lack of self-esteem and the lack of self-control. And of course, full of pride and there's so many voices and there's so many new emotions that I just don't know to manage and it's it's mine it's yours it's theirs while I can see breakthroughs in my professional life like I said before it was such a huge focus for me because it was the one thing that didn't change too much everything else was still either stagnant or not moving or sort of kind of regressing. And I find myself back at square one, back into a situation when my where my comfort depended on whether or not I complied with someone else's idea of my life. Because that was the situation that was going to allow me to prove to someone else more. It was constantly about, I'll prove this. I remember one thing that's offended the crap out of me. It was somebody who I liked a lot and I respected a lot. And in a conversation, I just said it because that was my life. And and at that time, I thought I didn't have shame about what my life was. And I made a comment about the fact that I do live in a basement room without windows because that's all my life could afford at that time. And I said it out loud. And their response, your room doesn't have windows? Hold on, you sleep on a twin mattress? And I was back in that that mindset again. 
one more person to prove something to. That stuff drove me. I'm glad it didn't drive me crazy, but it drove me back into another abusive situation. Not physically abusive, but emotionally very much so. And because I was way too prideful to comply, they in return showed me just how much power I had given them over me. The wrong motivation, the wrong fuel sent me back in the lion's den. And this is very much something that I'm pretty sure I've said to myself in the mirror. Things just have to change at some point. You just can't be in the same vicious, vicious circle over and over and over again. You, you've gotta, you've gotta do something. Something's gotta give. I had to turn off all the noise. I really had to look at myself and say, this is always going to be my future. I'm gonna have enough. I'm going to step away. It's gonna feel uncomfortable to be free to make my own decisions and I'm gonna fall back into it was easier when somebody else led. Frankly, I just had to stop with the self-loathing, I with the self-condemning. I had to forgive myself for having been insecure. I had to forgive myself for having been prideful. Instead of trusting other people to take care of me, I just had to make a better commitment to myself. I wasn't a child anymore. So there wasn't a grown-up to blame my sadness on. When two grown-ups are interacting, the one grown-up is always gonna look at the grown-up in front of them and say, hey adult, you make your own adult decisions. I'm gonna make mine. And mine is to control you. Ball's in my corner. What do I do? Here I have my self-esteem, my ability to choose for myself, my self-respect. Do I toss it back at you so you could toss it back in my face? Or do I commit to myself? But how do I commit to myself, right? I've never done this before. Oh, it's scary as hell. I hate this, but I have to do it. Being focused on getting back on your feet, going, getting on the other side, it's a good thing. It's, it, it's a great thing. Having that drive and having that commitment to a goal, it's wonderful. But the motivation can't be because other people have to see. Your value is still dependent on what somebody else has said it is. And honestly, I went up and down in value daily. I mean, oh my gosh. So I don't get to be the, I don't need your money and I don't need your help and I don't need this from you kind of girl. I don't have to sell out my self-respect to be under one person to show out someone else. It could just be an investment, an emotional investment into myself. I didn't really know what committing to myself meant. I can go back to June 16, 2011, when I said I do, for better or for worse. <laughs> I should have said only for better and looked at the judge and said, that's all I sign up for, just for better, okay? Nothing else, don't give me anything else, sorry. Or I can't go back to February 10th, 2014, when I begged and begged and said, you know, please call, just call your therapist, please. Take a shower, take a bath, anything, take a nap, take time to think. But I could deem any day, any day, any time of the day. I could deem that moment, any moment, a start, a start over moment. I had to make a real concrete plan that I was going to discipline myself to stick to. A plan that would involve me and my growth and my healing. Something that would be faith-focused. Something that would be focused on my future as an individual. A plan that would not make everyone else comfortable, but a plan that would really 
bring me salvation? How do I save me? Slapping up a cape and assuming the fetal position is not an option. Truly, I had to do something. So I involved my ministers at my church for counsel because your girl could not afford therapy. Also, they were fantastic friends. So (laughs) I was very, very excited um, to be able to speak to someone who could talk from a place of objectivity. What do you need? What do you want? What do you value? I just had to open up about the abuse, the abuse in my marriage, the abuse in my new life. I just had to open up to someone about it. And I found a friend that I felt I could trust with that. And I did. And I finally let that weight off my shoulders. I had to be honest about my actual state of mind. I was lost. I was afraid. I was afraid of being alone. I was afraid of being damaged good. I was so depressed. I was afraid to die. I couldn't see my life past the day I was in. I didn't know how to do that. I was really afraid to never make it out of that dark emotional place I was in. And I just had to start life planning and coming up with a plan that would really apply to every day of my life. And then any other two-year plan, four-year plan, 10-year plan that I could make could be based on these core values. And the number one thing was to always value my life. I had to learn to say no if it didn't bless me. I had to learn to walk away from love that hurts. I had to learn that one friend is enough. My most loyal friend should be me. It was important for me to understand that my experience is my pace and that I can't rush my blessings. That everything I feel right now is just for right now. And I want to live for the breakthroughs. I am the most important person in my life. So the only scale that I should ever base anything on is the me from yesterday versus the me from today. That's where the habit of rereading my journals came from. I decided that I would rewrite my story daily, that it was okay to do the wrong thing today and scratch that off and tear off the page and start over the next day. It just taught me a way to manage and look at my post-traumatic growth and really see the areas in which I need more work. I could do this from the comfort of my own experience, not somebody else's. I got into emotional planning. So I base my life on these core values. And anytime I feel any kind of way, I can pull out this list and check off the boxes. And if it doesn't check all the boxes, I can walk away. Five years into widowhood, I quit my job. Not because I had a new job lined up, but because it didn't, it didn't fit the boxes. It's not because I didn't have a job lined up that I didn't, have, that I didn't plan <laughs> to quit my job. I just had to make sure that all my T's were crossed and all my I's were dotted. For safety planning, I would recommend an article that I read recently on the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, it's the hotline.com, but I also have the link available for you on my social media. You know, before leaving, 
you know, the planning before, during, after. It really breaks down for you the things that sometimes in fear and in eagerness we forget to, to, to look at. It, it covers all the blind spots for you. And I know that in episode five, I was so pumped and excited. And I was like, yay, we're totally going to like get to hear from my sister Randy about death and money because when it comes to financial planning, I really respect her advice also because she is a financial advisor. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, we get to chatting about death and money. Um, in the next two episodes, but there are resources and there's help. And we're all prejudiced, but don't listen. And if you're prideful, toss that over your shoulder. There's room to grow every day and everywhere. If it doesn't fit your core values, that's okay. Walk away. We'll talk later, okay? <laughs>